Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just begin to say to God, God, open the eyes of my heart this morning. Paul said, praying for the Ephesians, he said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in his knowledge. The eyes of your heart being enlightened. I want you to pray for yourself this morning. Say, Father, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my understanding. Let me see what I haven't seen before. Let me hear what I haven't heard before. Open my eyes to see, O oh God. Open my ears to hear. Open my heart to understand mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Oh, come on, pray to God this morning. Say, God, I want to see. I want to see. I want to know. I want to understand. My heart is to know you, O oh God. Let the Holy Spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Open my eyes, Holy Spirit. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege of access into your very presence. As we stand in your presence this morning, we ask for the spirit of wisdom. We ask for the spirit of revelation. Help us see the hope of your calling. Help us see the riches of, of your glorious inheritance in the saints. Help us see your power that's available to us. That which you have prepared for us, even in the presence of our enemies, help us to see them. Help us to understand how to engage with them and be beneficiaries of them. Heavenly Father, we don't want the grace of God that has been extended toward us to be in vain. That which Christ has purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. We want to walk in the fullness of it. Help us, Father. Without you, we can do nothing. Help us to see that we may believe and that our lives may be transformed to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, our destiny is to walk like Jesus in the earth. Amen. Uh, and if you walk like Jesus in the earth, you'll be a supernatural being in a physical body. Is that not what Jesus was? A supernatural being in a physical body. Uh, and that is what God has created you to be. Amen. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Mark chapter 11. Uh, I've been doing a series on reigning through um, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Uh, I think we've done it for about four or so weeks so far, and we're moving on. We're talking about how to reign in life as kings through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has created you to be above only and never beneath. He has created you to be first and not last. Hallelujah. Because you're a child of Almighty God. If a child of God walked into the room, uh, you know, forget about the terminologies we had, but we've had or we've gotten used to. But if somebody who is a child of God actually walks into the room, you will expect a different level of operation, will you not? Hallelujah. If it is a child of God, or if that person is a child of God, then you will expect them to operate on a higher standard of life. In fact, you'll expect them to operate like God operates. And that is our destiny in God. And every child of God can operate like God in the earth. And that is what we have come to learn. We have come to learn how. The secret things have what? Been revealed. It began with the revelation of Jesus in the earth. Because he said, no one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten of the Father has revealed him. He has declared him. So we began to see what God was like through Jesus. Uh, and then in the epistles, he revealed to the new creation how to walk in the power that we saw revealed in the gospels. So this is our destiny. Say to your neighbor, this is your destiny. Hallelujah. So in Mark chapter 11, uh, Jesus begins to unveil to us certain principles of how to function like him. Uh, because of time, I wouldn't go through the whole story. 
But we know that Jesus had spoken to a fig tree and demonstrated a miracle. The fig tree dried up from the root when two days before Jesus said, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And the disciples heard what he said. Two days later, the, the, the tree was dried up from the roots. And the disciples wanted to know how. How did this happen? And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, he says, have faith in God. The, the message Bible says, embrace the God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. Uh, a lot of times you can come to church, you can uh, have a form of religion. But you haven't really embraced the God life. He says, embrace the God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. It will not be a surprise when the miraculous happens, but because you are really embracing the God life. Hallelujah. He says, embrace it, really embrace it. Say to your neighbor, really embrace it. There is more to life than you are experiencing. Jesus said, what I did you can do, you have the same life that I do, really embrace it. Hallelujah. If somebody is getting overwhelmed with a challenge, say to them, really embrace it. Because when you really embrace it, nothing will be too much for you. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, understand that there's an element of the God life that you need to embrace. He said to his disciples, really embrace it. And then in verse 23, he says, So Jesus answered and said, have faith in God for assuredly, I say to you, that is like surely, isn't it? Assuredly, emphatically, th there is no way around this one. Everyone can do this. I, I guarantee you, you know, having a guarantee of Jesus is something. He said, I guarantee you this, that whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you. So he, he immediately put it into force. You know, this was when this principle came into force, when Jesus said this. He said, then I say to you, therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. He says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Now, that is the explanation of what they experienced with the fig tree drying up. And he says, you can do it. Everyone say, I can do this. Because Jesus said, I can. Now, now, now we need to dissect these things. And we need to look closer. Because we want to learn. We want to be effective. It says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe where, inferred, in his heart, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart, that those things he says will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. So in this verse, we see that saying and believing are key to creation. Saying and believing are key to creation. But when you look at this verse properly, you will see that it begins with what you believe in your heart. What you believe in your heart. It says, whosoever shall say and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in that heart 
that what he says will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he says. You know, there's something about your heart that determines what happens in your life. Last week, we, we established the fact that creation begins with sight. Or, or should I say more accurately, it begins with insight. Th there needs to be something you are seeing in your heart. Because you cannot create until you see. Does that make sense? So the heart of a man, the heart of a woman, the heart of a human being is the womb of creation. Hallelujah. Your heart. We need to examine what is happening in your heart. Because the heart of a human being is the location where all creation begins. Is the location where all creation begins. Now, now we're going to through this in, in a bit of depth. Because, you know, if you want to build a matchstick structure, you know how you can take a box of matches and you can build matchstick men. The technology you need for building matchstick men is different from if you wanted to build a bridge from Lekki to Ikoi. Because if you want to build a bridge from Lekki to Ikoi, there needs to be certain things about engineering you must learn. You can tell um, your teacher to give it to you in the Cliff Notes version. You know the Cliff Notes. You, you, you can't have that if you want to actually build a bridge. There are certain things you must understand about the technology of construction. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter if you happened on a certificate. When it comes time to build the bridge, no one is going to ask where you went to school. Can you build it or can't you build it? You can have the most glorious certificate in the world and stand in front of the bridge and not know how to build it because it takes more than a certificate to build. Well, you know, we have to say that in these times because sometimes, you know, we go through the school, but the school doesn't come through us. Yeah? So, so in these matters, we must, we, must, we must understand how it works. Your heart is the womb of all creation. Now, now look at what the Bible says. Let, let us look at Matthew. Or, or actually, before we look at Matthew, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Because it is, it is right to put um, the cart in the right place. The horse goes first. The cart is behind. So it's important that we understand the sequence of things. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. Verse 13, Paul says, And since we have the same spirit of faith. Everyone say the same spirit. Now, now what we're talking about is not new. It might be new to you, but it's not new. It says, we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. You know, David wrote this in Psalm 116. He says, according to what David wrote, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. We also believe. We're not just speaking. It is not just positive confession. He says we are speaking because there is something we believe in our hearts. Hallelujah. And therefore our words have power. Because it's coming from somewhere. I am not just vibrating the air. You are not just hearing empty sounds from me. The words I am speaking contain something. He says, I believe. And that is why I am speaking. And this is how the spirit of faith works. 
Because you can say it, say it, say it until the cows come home. If on the inside you are not expressing a living picture, nothing is going to happen. He says the spirit of faith operates this way. Jesus explained to them how to create things. How to move mountains. He says it begins with what you believe in your heart. What is going on in your heart? Hallelujah. Because your heart is the umpire of your life. Your heart determines what comes in and it determines what stays out. Paul says, we believe, therefore, we speak. Look at Jesus expand on this in Matthew chapter 12. You know, last week we said, if you're going to embrace this God life, it means there are certain things we must do differently. One of the things we must do differently is understanding that our words are not just for complaining about things and complaining about mountains. When we really embrace this God life, we recognize that our words are for creating the picture we want, not for telling people the picture that currently exists. When you embrace this God life, you no longer speak anyhow because you understand that your words are the tool for creation. Hallelujah. My words are not just for, for speaking what is as though it is. What would be the point of words then? If it is just to describe a situation as it currently exists. Jesus said, your words are there to be the tool to express what you believe and to change your experience of life. Hallelujah. Your words are to change the experience of life. You know, it's interesting that when Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things, he says, comes to pass. Notice, he didn't say that thing which he just said will come to pass. Do you notice that? Now, you will expect that if Jesus was speaking in proper grammar, he says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but he shall believe that what he just said will come to pass, will have whatever he says. He didn't say that. He said, those things, those things, those things. So somebody is that is going to operate this way must be somebody that understands the value of their words. Are you getting this? Somebody that's going to operate like this is somebody that up understands the value of their words. You cannot say to your child, you will not make it, and say, I am confessing, you know, I believe I'm healed, and you expect the words you spoke on your child to not happen, but the words you are speaking now, I'm serious now, so I'm, I'm actually speaking properly now, uh, you expect this one to happen and that one not to happen. No, you, you need to understand that everything you say, your words are the vehicle for creation. So you need to believe in the power of your words and understand about the import of your words. Hallelujah. You know, we, we, we want the words we speak in prayer to come to pass, but we don't want the words we speak to the driver that cut us off on the road to come to pass. Or do we, though? Look at Matthew 12, 36. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's start from um, verse 33. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. 
For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of where? The heart, the mouth speaks. It says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart says good things. Is that what it says? It says a good man out of the good treasure of where? His heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of in the day of judgment. For by your words you are justified, and by your words you are condemned. Now, here again, Jesus is talking about creation beginning from the heart. He says to create good things, there must be a good abundance in your heart because it is from the abundance of your heart that your mouth speaks and creation of things occur. Are you with me? Now, now he says this is not just exclusive to Christians because it says an evil man from the evil abundance of his heart will bring forth evil things. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven three that things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. So the things that are seen have come from the heart of somebody. And the heart is the region of things that are not seen. Are you with me? There is a substance that you can create in your heart that you will bring forth in the physical. All creation begins with sight. And true sight begins in the heart of a man. In fact, Jesus said that everyone will be judged for every idle word they speak. Every empty word. Every inoperative word they speak. Because words are not meant to be empty. Words are meant to contain substance that comes from your inner man. And they will contain the substance of whatever you believe. If you are speaking words you don't believe, then your words are empty. I'll give you an example. There is something that goes on in Lagos that sounds like faith, but it is, it is a, a practice for which men are going to be judged because people that speak this way are speaking empty words. You know, Jesus said, I would rather you were hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. So as far as Jesus is concerned, at least if you are cold, you have a, you have a temperature, right? Now, he's not advocating coldness, but he prefers it to being lukewarm. Now, there's some people I come across quite a lot who say things that they don't actually believe. And in their minds, they think, well, at least I'm saying it, so it must be okay. I'll give an example. Somebody came to me for money. And he said, you know, I, I am very rich at the moment, but could you help me? Now, I don't know if you have come across this. The first time I came across it, it confused me. He said, I am very rich at the moment, so could you help me? And I thought, well, if you are rich, then why are you asking for help? Now, now, now what, what he was trying to do was, you know, I am not rich. I, I, I need money. I, don't, I, I, I know I don't have any money, but I'm confessing positive. But I don't believe what I'm saying. Are, are you with me? I'll give you an example. I was meant to meet somebody for a meeting, a pastor, years ago. And we had set up the appointment, and um, on the day, we're meant to meet up for lunch. And his secretary called me and said, oh, pastor so-so-and-so cannot make it because he's very strong. So I thought to myself, 
Okay, if he's strong, why can't he make it? Why is he running late? What's going on? And she said, no, he's very strong. You know, it is better to say that you are sick than to say that you are well and yet you don't believe it. Because there's no congruency between your words and your heart. Okay, this is coming like a shock. Is this what we do? Jesus said, whosoever, he said, I, I believe and therefore I speak. You know, many years ago, something happened to me. I was in school and, and I had conjunctivitis. I had uh, what they call Apollo. And I, I, I you know, this is years back. Uh, I was in the University of Lagos. And um, I was the head of a Christian fellowship. And, and you, know, you know, far be it from me to be, heard, to be said that the pastor of the fellowship has Apollo. So I, I get a cab and I go home. And thankfully, we live in Lagos. So I, I went to my mom and said, Mom, I've got Apollo. I need to hang out with you. Could you make me some food? So she said, yeah, I'll make you some food. So I went to the sitting room, and I lay on the couch, and, and I began to pray, and I began to confess the word, because I, I believe in the word, you know. So I began to confess 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus bore my infirmities, or, or he himself bore my sins in his own body on the tree, that I being dead to sin may live unto righteousness, by whose stripes I'm healed. If I were healed, I am healed. Lord, I thank you because I'm healed. Isaiah 53.5 says, surely he has borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Uh, Mom, is the food ready yet? Lord, I thank you because I'm healed. I'm the healed of God. I'm the healed of God. I'm the healed of God. I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth that I'm healed. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, healed people do not leave school and run home. Healed people do not lie on the couch at home when they're meant to be in school having lectures. Now, now, I now had a problem. Now, he was saying that my actions were not congruent to what I believe. So, I, I was going to say to the Lord, Lord, but I have Apollo. I can't go to school. But then... But I'm healed. But I have Apollo, but I'm healed. So I needed to make up my mind what I believed. Because he said, you are saying something, but you don't actually believe it. Because if you believe what you are saying, then you will not be at home. So I said, mom, could you keep that food? I'm not going to eat. She said, ah, what's wrong with you? I thought you, are, you have Apollo. I said, I believe according to God's word that I'm healed. And therefore I'm going to school. And, and I got up and I began to go to school. And I was still feeling the pain in my eyes. And, and then I, I got to school uh, and one of my friends came and said, ah! <laughs> Pastor Nosh, you have Apollo. I, I said, I, I believe according to the word that I am healed. And I began to continue. And within a couple of days, it disappeared. Are you with me? There is a congruency that must exist between your heart and your mouth. Hallelujah. Be, be, because creation begins in the heart. He said, out of the good abundance of your heart, a good mouth speaks and brings good things to pass. Creation begins in the heart. And that is why Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed, or pro, pro, uh, out of it come the forces or the issues of life. The forces that will create life, the force of faith, proceeds from your heart. Hallelujah. The heart is the womb of creation. So, so let us spend a few minutes understanding the anatomy of the heart. Because when the Bible talks about the heart, what is it talking about? What does it mean? Because Jesus said, believe in your heart and declare it with your mouth and it will happen. He said, let good things 
Fill your heart with abundance and you'll bring forth good things. We know that there needs to be a picture in your heart for things to happen. So, so what is the heart, really? Now, now of course, it is not the, uh, the blood pump, your physical pump. Yeah, you can't believe with your physical heart. What is the heart? You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the Apostle Paul, um, by the Spirit of God, tells us the anatomy of a human being. The fact that we are tripartite. He said, the God, very God of peace, sanctify you wholly or completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that uh, called you who also will do it. So, so you are made up of your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. Now, I don't need to tell you what your body is because you know what your body is. But then there are other parts of your being, your spirit and your soul. Now, the soul is, the spirit and the soul are part of the makeup or the spiritual makeup of humanity. So there's a part of you or there are two parts of you we can't see, all right? We can't see your spirit and we can't see your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, that is your soul and it's different from your spirit. And that's why the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it pierces even to the division of the soul and the spirit. So they are different. They're not the same. But they are part of the spiritual makeup of man. Now, like I said, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. We can't see your emotions. We can't see your mind. We can't see your will, but we can interact with it. When your body cries, we know that you are being... You're, you're expressing emotion. Is that not correct? Now, your mind is made up of your memory, your intellect, and your imagination. Your mind is made up of your memory, your intellect, and your imagination. That is part of your mind. And with your will and your, so, uh, and your emotions, it makes up your, uh, your soul. So the mind, intellect, memory, imagination. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart... When the Bible talks about the heart, it's really talking about the union between your spirit and your soul. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. Because Jesus wants us to function like him. In 2 Corinthians 4 16, Paul says we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed every day. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed every day so we don't lose heart. So the heart of a man is speaking about the inward man. Are you with me? The inward man is your heart. The inward man. It's the union between the spirit and the soul. The inward part of a man. Because that's your spiritual part. The spiritual part. It is part of... Of your spiritual makeup. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus. When, when Lazarus died, he went into hell, but he could remember a lot of things, could he not? He could remember the number of brothers he had. He could remember, you know, uh, Abraham. He, he, he said, God, send me back home. So his mind was still working. And, and, and uh, Hades or hell is a spiritual place. So your mind must be spiritual. Are you with me? It's part of your spiritual makeup. Yes, your brain is a physical organ, but it is just the physical housing 
for your soul, just like your body is the physical housing of your spirit. So the heart of a man speaks about the unity between the spirit and the soul. Now, why am I saying this? I am saying this because if you believe with your heart, then it means that faith comes from the spiritual man, from the spiritual part of man. That's number one. Number two, if the heart speaks about congruence between the spirit and the soul, it means that what you think is important. What you imagine is important. How you are using your memory is important as far as God is concerned. God is very particular about what you think about. Very particular about what you imagine. Because the components of your soul have to work in agreement with the components of your spirit for faith to be produced. Hallelujah. There must be a congruence between your spirit and your soul. Hallelujah. You know, there can be no creation if there's an internal conflict. Because if two of you shall agree on earth, it shall be done. The two have to come into agreement for you to believe in your heart. You know, psychologists call it the subconscious. When psychologists talk about the subconscious, they are talking about your heart. You know, I watched a, a really nice movie years ago called Inception. And, and the, the principle of that movie was the fact that if you can place a thought deep in someone's subconscious without them knowing, and the right environment exists for that thought to grow, they will take the action in their life without realizing that they are responding to a thought that's been placed in their hearts. Your subconscious... The reason why they call it subconscious is because you are not conscious of it. All right? But your subconscious determines what you do in life and what you can produce with your life. Now, now that is another word for the heart of a man. Hallelujah. It is what you believe in your subconscious that you will produce. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It is possible for you to be thinking consciously in your mind about certain things and even agree with certain things in your mind, but, but, but on the inside, where it matters, in your subconscious, you actually don't believe it. And he said, it is as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your heart may be working for you or against you, even though you are saying the right things. You can be saying the right things, but on the inside, your heart is working against you because if you do not believe in your heart, you cannot produce it in your life, irrespective of what you say. We impose restrictions on our lives from our inside. As a matter of fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians 6.12, look at 2 Corinthians 6.12, the Message Bible Translation. You know, this is for everyone who thinks that they are waiting for God. You know, we've established through this series that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And the way we respond is by faith. There's no restriction in God. Anything that has to do with your healthy life and your godliness, everything to do with achieving God's plan for your life and the desires he has placed in your heart, he has already given you. Now, Paul was dealing with the Corinthians and he said, you are not restricted by us. The Message Bible says it this way. It says, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Now, now, where is that within he's talking about? Where? Where? He said the smallness you are feeling, the restriction you are feeling comes from within you. 
Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. He says you have imposed a restriction in your heart. And you are only going to live to the extent of what you permit in your heart. God hasn't fenced you in. But any restriction in your life is something going on in your heart. Your heart is what is fencing you in. You know, these restrictions we impose subconsciously through experiences, through bad relationships, through bad advice, through trusting relationships that have gone wrong and have given us bad advice. That's why the Bible says, don't follow the counsel of the ungodly. Hallelujah. Because beyond the bad counsel, what is even worse than the bad counsel is that it imposes a restriction on your heart. Hallelujah. Whatever you receive as true and you allow to be imprinted in your heart as a picture imposes a restriction on your heart. Anyway, the other day, Zoella came up to us. She had started writing. She's got a journal. So she started writing in her journal. So she came up to Anita and I and said, um, she's just written an entry in her journal. So we said, what did you write? And this is what she wrote. Now, so she wrote, Dear Diary, today I did a Cambridge primary examination, meaning that if all goes well, I will go to Cambridge University studying chemical engineering, computer science, history of art, mathematics, music, and natural sciences. Now, now, when your child says that to you, what is the first thing that comes out? What, what is the first thing, if you're not careful, what's the first thing you will say? You say, hello, university, you can't, uh, what do you think this is? They don't, you can only, I mean, how, how can you, it is not to do, you know, I, can, I can't fill in the gaps for obvious reasons. Now, when she said that to me, you know, the first thing that came was, but, you know, you can't, don't you? And then I thought about this, that Leonardo da Vinci had interest in invention, painting, sculpting, architecture, science, music, mathematics, engineering, literature, anatomy, geology, astronomy, botany, writing, history, and cartography. Now, now evidently, nobody told him that, you don't understand, you, you can't, don't you? But, and without knowing it, if I had spoken the wrong words, I would have created a restriction. Are you with me? I would have created a restriction in a heart that is open to God, that is open to the exceeding riches of his grace. I would have created a restriction because there is trust. And you know, my father is telling me the truth, so I will receive that and place it in my heart as a picture. Are you with me? Uh-huh. So the devil ensures that as we grow up in life, we come across things that, that place a restriction on our hearts about what is possible. So we grew up believing, for instance, that you shouldn't trust men. You shouldn't trust women. Honesty wouldn't pay you. You must give bribes. People like you don't make it. You will die young. You will always be single. Now, 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 these will come through bad experiences. These will come through bad advice. These will come through um, bad parental advice. Relationships that we trust and we open our hearts to. They speak a word and we believe it because we believe that the person has integrity and has a good, you know, uh, you know future in their hearts. And we receive it into our hearts as a picture and we create our world with that picture and leave it there. Hallelujah. 
So God comes along and he gives you all things that pertain to life and godliness, but, but we whittle it down because, you know, God will not override your heart. Very important. The Lord will not override your heart. Now, what the Lord has done is he has given us exceedingly, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. By which, everyone say by which. By which have been given us exceeding great and precious promises that through these, everyone say through these, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but he didn't stop there. Because just because he has given you doesn't mean you'll be a, um, a partaker of it. So he has given us exceeding great and precious promises. So that through the promises, we'll understand what, it is, what is ours. Now, it is through the use of those promises that we, first and foremost, must recalibrate our hearts concerning who we are and what we have. Are you with me? The promises of God tell us what God has given us. Yeah? The promises of God tell us what, what God has given us. You know, when you think about your life and think about your future, we all have a picture. We all do. Now, our pictures are all different. Now, now I'm going to talk about, I'm going to continue about on this last next week. But you know, our pictures are all different. Our expectations of life are based on a lot of different things. Some of us by our education, some of us by our exposure, some of us by the circumstances we've had, had, have, we've had in our lives. But all of us have a picture of what we will achieve in life. We have a picture. And those pictures are different. Are you with me? There, is, there are a lot of pictures of limitation that are based on our experiences. Yeah? Uh, you know, there was a time when, um, when uh, it was in the news that uh, Donald Trump was owing several billion dollars. Is there anyone here that owes several billion dollars? There was a time in his business where he was owing several billion dollars. Right? But it, it didn't stop him. And a few years later, he was positive... Several billion. Now, you know, if somebody owed several billion dollars, a, a lot of people will kill themselves because they, they don't see a different future. Are you with me? So, so our, our, our pictures are determined by a lot of different things. But you know, it is possible for us to use the word, which is the truth, to create a different picture about every aspect of our lives. And that's why the Bible says that through these, you'll be a partaker of the divine nature. You will see like God. You will see like God regarding every area of life. If there is an area of life where in your heart you are not seeing the provision of God or you are not seeing what God has made available for you in Christ and you are not seeing yourself as a possessor of it, that is an area where there is a promise waiting for you to use to recalibrate your picture. God cannot bring healing into your body if you don't see yourself healed in your heart. God cannot bring provision into your life if you don't see in your heart right now that my God supplies my needs according to his riches and glory. If all you are seeing is the mountain that you are waiting for God to remove, that mountain will never be removed 
Because it takes faith, which is coming from your heart, to cause that mountain to move. Are you with me? So we must begin by understanding that we are placing restrictions in our hearts by what we believe. We must go to the word and find the promise. There is a promise for every aspect of your life. Hallelujah. He says his power has given us all things. Everyone say all things. Now, if his power has given us all things, it means that there is a promise concerning all things that you will deal with. Hallelujah. And you need to find that promise and use it to bring your heart into alignment with the truth. Hallelujah. Notice I said that your heart is your spirit and your soul. It means that you feed your mind with that truth. It means that you will engage your imagination. When you are thinking about your life in that area, you will engage your imagination to build a different picture of your life in that area. Hallelujah. You're not waiting for God to do something because God has already done it. He has already made his power available. He has already given you the promise. God is not going to bypass the principles that he has put into operation for humanity to govern the world with. He's not going to bypass it. That's why I can, I can step off this stage and fall to the ground. Why? Because I am, I am conforming. There's a law of gravity here. Are you with me? Just like there's a law of creation. Hallelujah. And the law of creation states that whatever you create in your heart, you can create in your life. I'll say it again. Whatever you create in your heart, you can create in your life. Now, thank God for positive confession and, um, you know, positive thinking. But, you know, it is difficult for me to believe positive thinking if I feel that I know who I really am. They can tell you, dream that you're a millionaire and you're thinking, me? Do you understand? Positive thinking loses credibility because we feel we know who we are. Are you with me? So it's like, don't try to be, you know, deceiving me. I know who I am. So I can try to think positive, but really I know it's not true. But when God says something about you, now that has validity, doesn't it? When, when, when Jehovah, who made you, when you discover and you come into understanding about what he says about you, then you now ask yourself, okay, do I believe my father or do I believe my heavenly father? Do I believe my wife or husband or do I believe my heavenly father? Do I even believe my body or do I believe my heavenly father? Do I, do I believe the economy or do I believe my heavenly father? Uh, it, it has a different import. Because Jesus said, Lord, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is reality. Your word is the reality. It is the truth. So when you go into the word and you see the truth, it is believable, is it not? And then you begin to say to yourself, this is who I am. Not who I will be, but who I am. Because the promises of God are never about what you will be, but who you are. This is who I am now. This is who I am now. This is who I am now. You are feeding that to your imagination. So if you are lame, and he says, by his stripes I have been healed, then, then if I use that word to create a picture, in my imagination I see myself walking. He didn't say, I will heal you. He said, you are healed. So in my imagination, I begin to see myself without that ailment. I begin to build a picture. My body is saying I am lame, but the word, the Lord of all creation is saying that I am healed. Hallelujah. That, that is how we begin to recalibrate our hearts. That is where creation begins. Hallelujah. That is where creation begins. That is where creation begins. You can create your world with the word of God, but, but it begins with your heart. Hallelujah. What, what do you see? What do you see? 
if what you are seeing is creating fear, then understand that there is something, there is a promise regarding that area that will help you to see. You cannot create what you don't see. God is not going to create for you. We create through the power of God. I say it again. We create. Come on. We create. The elders obtained a good report. For they understood that their world will be framed by the word of God. They framed their world with the word of God. God does not create for us. We create. Hallelujah. Through the use of the power of God. That we see by the promises he has provided. When we begin to do this, we will now enter a new realm where the Holy Spirit begins to give you pictures. You are not going to get a picture of the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit until you have built a picture with the Word. Hallelujah. You are not going to get a picture from the Holy Spirit until you have built a picture with the Word. And then when you have built a picture with the Word, the Spirit of God will begin to expand that picture. And He will show you the navigation. Uh, into the riches, uh, the secret riches of darkness that God has reserved for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful. We're thankful, oh God, because your word is productive in our lives. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you because you open our eyes to see. You open our ears to hear. You open our hearts to believe. I don't know if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice. You don't know the Lord Jesus. And God brought you here today. I've got a word from God for you. And that is that your future is brighter than your past. And the life of God will come into your heart. And he will develop your mind. Hallelujah. I'd like us to pray this prayer together. You say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him to the cross to die for me. Today, I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins. Let your life fill me. Teach me how to live like a child of God. Bring me into union with you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.